Welcome to Covenant Conversations, episode number seven. Today, your hosts Peter Washkowitz in New York and I, Shweta Rao in London, have the pleasure of speaking with Christopher Ring from Goodwin Proctor in sunny California. Chris is a partner in the private equity and debt finance teams in Goodwin Proctor. He represents private equity groups, hedge funds, companies and financial institutions in a wide array of complex financing arrangements, including leveraged buyouts, special situation financings, restructurings and subscription facilities. On this podcast, we will speak to Chris about his mid-market practice, focusing on recent covenant changes in mid-market documentation, strategies employed by sponsor and borrower clients to tide over the liquidity crisis, and issues mid-market companies are facing in accessing government relief. Welcome, Chris, and hello, Peter. Hi, Chris. Um, I don't think anybody is surprised that middle-market companies are seeking amendments to their credit agreements, given EBITDA figures across all industries for the next couple of quarters, particularly the second quarter, will be materially lower. However, what I have been surprised about is the various forms that these amendments are taking. Some amendments seem to just be waiving compliance with the financial covenants. Some are waiving and replacing with liquidity covenants, uh, with liquidity financial covenant, and some are replacing with liquidity covenants and are imposing uh, limitations on accessing certain of the negative covenant baskets. Uh, Broadly speaking, you know, what are you seeing? And are, are there certain types of companies that are getting similar amendments or is there really no size fits all when it comes to these? Yeah, I mean, it's definitely uh, there's not one size fits all. And it depends on the lenders you're dealing with, if they're banks, if they're uh, non-bank type lenders, um, you know, because they're subject to different regulations, uh, especially banks as, as opposed to non-bank lenders. And, you know, with respect to non-bank lenders, they got certain investors and LPs that require certain returns and, and the relief that they can give. You know, what What I'm basically seeing uh, borrowers at the end of March, they were seeking for their first principal and interest payments of, at the end of the um, cor- the first quarter. Uh, they, they were looking for relief from, from those payments. Uh, some lenders were willing to provide deferral of interest for borrowers for up to about six months. Some were less. Uh, less lenders were willing to provide relief with respect to interest payments. They wanted to have some uh, current due interest being paid. Uh, the relief came more from banks than non-bank lenders when when dealing with principal uh, and interest. Um, note that some non-bank lenders were willing to forgo short-term principal and interest payments if they were able to get more return in other ways, such as through like exit fees, higher interest rates with with the additional amounts being paid in kind or warrants or convertible features on the debt. Um, borrowers were also recently uh, requesting waivers for the excess cash flow amounts for that they accumulated in 2019 uh, to try to keep liquidity for the business. Um, some lenders were very hesitant to provide for, for those waivers just because they wanted uh, additional amounts to pay down uh, the loans and they really didn't want the borrowers to be hoarding cash. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, cause in certain instances, depending on the type of borrowers you're even seeing where certain lenders would push for anti hoarding type covenants. Uh, so they wouldn't have as much cash. They'd be using their cash to pay down the loans. Um, borrowers have also been seeking consents for things such as the participate in the paycheck, uh, the PPP, uh, the, that's being provided by the SBA 
uh, Paycheck Protection Program. Um, and soon that'll be shifting to the Main Street Lending Program for consents with that. Um, and many borrowers that were not already experiencing financial issues prior to the pandemic, were most of those were able to meet their Q1 financial covenants. Um, these, these type of borrowers and their sponsors are still trying to see how off the market they'll be for uh, the second quarter and for future periods and, and whether they can rely on their EBITDA add backs to get them through kind of the period uh, before they go to their lenders to see what type of re uh, to seek relief. Some lenders are looking at this as an opportunity to open back up the credit agreement to cut back on some of the borrower flexibility, such as like delay draw term loan uh, flexibility, especially the conditionality around that. Uh, incrementals, including the free and clear baskets where you're not subject to meeting certain leverage tests, uh, restricted payment, investment, asset disposition, flexibility. They're looking to cut back uh, starter baskets for available amount baskets um, and, and carve outs to mandatory prepayments uh, they're trying to get rid of. Um, sponsors and borrowers do not want to go back yet to their lenders when they're still, you know, have 45 days after the end of quarter two, which is June 30th, before they have to provide their quarter two financials and their compliance certificates. They want to see what they really need, evaluate what they're willing to give, and then go to the lenders with a plan. A lot of these discussions will depend on whether the lender is a bank or a private credit lender, whether the company is sponsor-backed, uh, the strength and reputation the sponsor uh, and the relationship of the sponsor has with the lender. Uh, the lender knows sponsors have many lender options and they want to remain in their Rolodex of good lenders they use, uh, especially when the good times roll back. Um, further, those borrowers with covenant light deals will likely not run into the same issues as those with quarterly financial covenant testing, unless they have to draw on their revolvers for liquidity purposes and can't pay back the revolver in time by the end of the quarter to avoid financial covenant testing. Uh, for borrowers where there's trade account payables, uh, where, where trade account payables that are outstanding for, uh, can only be outstanding for 60 or 90 days before they become debt, um, as, as companies and their customers stretch payables, this is something they're looking for relief from lenders as well to avoid running into issues around um, uh, uh, those, those longer stretching payables becoming dead. The same thing uh, when you're dealing with your asset-based lenders and, and eligible accounts, uh, as, as those start to get more stale, them needing relief around that so that they don't get kicked out of borrowing base and limit their uh, borrowing capacity is, is another item. Yeah, it's funny. I was I was about to ask, you know, have you, is this kind of a period that stands out in your mind where lenders finally have, you know, significantly more leverage than the borrowers in terms of, you know, the terms of these documents? But I, I didn't even really think about it. I mean, you just mentioned that, okay, fine, now they may have the leverage, but they understand that, you know, this is, you know, temporary and in a year or so, you know, the spigots are going to be back on. And so they need to kind of remain in these borrowers' good graces, even at the time when these companies, you know, they pretty much would have to accept anything to to remain in compliance. But it doesn't really matter because these lenders, as you said, kind of want to stay in the good graces, you know, for the for the good times ahead. That That's exactly right. I mean, especially when you have a strong sponsor with many relationships and people uh, just waiting to try to get in 
to have new relationships with them. If, if the lenders aren't going to behave that great right now because they know they have some leverage, uh, then uh, what the borrowers, uh, the sponsors will do as soon as things get better, they're going to refinance them out for new lenders and not use them going forward. And so, you, you know, you have these um, kind of, especially at the private credit lenders, you know, they, they have the relationship people that the sponsors have these relationships with that they're marketing people and their compensations tied to bringing in those type of deals. They don't want to lose them going forward. And so they'll be talking, uh, they'll, they'll be defending their sponsors where they can internally. Um, where, where that starts to change is if, if you have a situation where um, the company really starts to struggle and gets uh, to the point where it gets lumped into a uh, kind of the workout group where that sponsor relationship person may not have any um, uh, really say, or they may be out of job if it's bad enough, uh, depending on how many bad credits that, that, that they brought in. But uh, outside those falling within kind of the workout category where they're dealing with a whole different group of people, um, it, it, it's likely that um, some of these sponsors are still going to be able to get some of the terms they want, or um, they're going to at least have the ability to work back in to having those terms again if they meet certain uh, benchmarks lying ahead. That's really interesting, Chris. You mentioned that um, sponsors are currently in the wait and watch mode and they're not going to the lenders with a plan as yet. But are they thinking about what else they need to do if a company does become really stressed? Yes, uh, th they definitely are. Um, you know, most PE firms still believe in their portfolio companies, especially ones that weren't struggling before the pandemic and are not in the like industries such as oil and retail. Mm -hmm. They're likely to continue to have issues even after the recovery period, after the uh, pandemic subsides. Um, many of the PE firms that are established and lived through the Great Recession feel this is different than them and think their portfolio companies can still bounce back fairly soon after the pandemic ends. It right. also depends on whether those PE firms focus on specific industries. For example, those focusing on technology and healthcare are likely not affected the same way as those in the hotel, retail, restaurant, sports, live entertainment type industries. Most do not think they, uh, uh, most of the PE firms don't think they should have to put equity into receiving short-term relief from lenders on their financial covenant levels. Mm -hmm. However, they realize that if, if they did just want to put in equity by using equity to your feature, that is likely not going to be sufficient since they're restricted by only being able to cure and typically in credit agreements for two consecutive quarters or only two out of every four consecutive quarters, uh, unless they think they can get things like turned around and on track by uh, the fourth quarter which is going to be tough to predict. And P firms would rather get further relief from lenders if they're going to put equity into the company than, than just doing it through the equity cure. Also, one thing to note that for smaller credits and companies, the equity cure may only be applied towards covenant compliance testing and not any other purpose. And with some requiring debt paydowns with those equity cure, uh, cure proceeds so they don't get the benefit of keeping the equity uh, proceeds on the books and used for liquidity purposes. Uh, you know, PE firms, I think, mm -hmm. are still hoping to avoid putting in equity where they can and want their lender relationships and their established uh, that are established to carry the way. And they think they can get that. And, and um, you know, the smaller PE firms and those that 
were not around for the Great Recession are more likely to need to uh, to provide equity and other relief for their portfolio companies as lenders will likely not feel as strongly about them not you know with, with them not having the established relationship of going through a down period before and ultimately bringing those companies through that um, ultimately PE firms will do what they need to uh, to keep their portfolio companies that they believe in afloat uh, they just do not think they need to do as much as what some lenders currently are thinking they can get for relief P firms feel by waiting this out a little further lenders will come off what they think they need another factor is also whether the potential that a much larger number of companies will default on their credit due to uh, the pandemic will cause lenders to take a more reasonable approach since having a large default rate on their outstanding credits also has negative impl implications for the lender. I think some PE firms see the opportunity not through putting in equity uh, that lenders have the benefit of, but instead to use the affiliate loan purchases and borrower buyback provisions to buy debt at a discount this could provide real value to them where they believe in their companies. Yeah, we've seen, um, to the extent we've seen PE support here, it's been either to buy back debt or it's been to actually put in super senior debt or mm -hmm. senior secured debt. So not we've not seen any equity cures coming, at least in right. the large cap space here. You know, that's interesting. I was actually going to say, or you know, rather ask, um, given that kind of this is probably one of the first times in, in recent memory that um, that lenders really have all the leverage in these negotiations, I was I was wondering if they're kind of acting on that leverage and really kind of tightening these baskets. But, uh, you know, as you just mentioned, something I had never really considered is that, you know, while while borrowers are having a, a difficult time now, you know, in a year, probably things will be back to normal. And so, uh, you know, and they'll be accessing the you know capital markets and the leveraged loan markets. Uh, to finance, you know, more and more deals. So I, I, I guess, you know, lenders really, you know, need to kind of walk a fine line of of imposing some restrictions um, under these agreements now and not kind of alienating um, themselves from uh, potential lending groups next year when things are back to normal. Um, so what kind of relationship or, and interactions are you seeing um, when it comes to these amendments? Yeah, I mean, there's definitely been some amendments where there's been certain blocks on negative covenant flexibility that can go back to pre-amendment terms if the companies are compliant with certain or, or meet certain benchmarks, whether that's uh, getting back on pace uh, of their prior financial covenant levels or, or having a subject to certain other financial uh, like tr uh, performance triggers that allow it to revert back. So the, people are building that and because they don't want to necessarily lose all that flexibility and and the thought processes for these PE firms is if hey if we get back on track or or we're back where we were before why shouldn't we get the same benefit of the bargain we we previously signed up for so we've seen a couple amendments uh be filed with the SEC for um allowing these payment uh paycheck protection uh program loans uh that these companies are getting uh in, in some of these forms these loans are being carved out of the definition of indebtedness. So, you know, they won't count for leverage purposes. Um, and, you know, some there are restrictions on repaying these uh, PPP loans. Um, just generally, what are the covenant issues that you see that are arising with middle market companies um, accessing government relief in the U.S.? Yeah, so most lenders have been receptive to providing relief for borrowers to obtain the pension program loans. 
However, some are requiring the borrowers to only use the amounts for forgivable purposes and requiring for the loans to be forgiven within six months. Where the lenders are, the, the PPP lenders, they have been much more accommodating because they're involved in the, the whole process. Now, most PE and venture capital-backed companies, especially those that are majority or minor, minority control owners uh, of, of those companies, other than those that are subject to waivers of the affiliation rules, have been left out of the Paycheck Protection Program due to either the affiliation rules or the necessity prong. Um, but most have been able to get some type of accommodations. Now, the next wave will be the Main Street Lending Program, where uh, the Federal Reserve just announced further uh, guidelines and updates on that program this past Thursday. Now, that's not yet open. While the Main Street Lending Program is more available to mid-market PE and venture capital firms than the Paycheck Protection Program, eligible lenders do not currently include non-bank lenders. They can only be uh, actual banks and like credit unions. Uh, so many PE-backed companies have non-bank lenders and, and that's a lot of their relationships. So access, so accessing the Main Street lending program is going to be a challenge unless the Federal Reserve changes its position on this. Um, so I, I think that that one is going to be hard for them to use. Um, and, and one other thing to note is with respect to any of these programs are taking being involved in a lot of times they're going to need financial covenant compliance uh, relief as well because if they're subject to leverage ratios um, they're going to either need that debt not to count as part of the debt for those leverage ratios or uh, they're going to need um, higher covenant levels to to take that into account because that wouldn't have been put in their projections because no one would have known this government relief was coming huh yeah yeah i i actually did not even yeah i didn't even think about that that's uh that's a good point um i hope ev uh listeners will uh find this as interesting as i have i, I could have asked you a hundred more questions but i will uh i, <laughs> I, I will uh I'll, I'll leave it there so we we really appreciate your uh your coming on and um we hope to talk to you uh sometime in the future Great. Thank you very much. I hope you both have a great uh, day. Take care.